welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest edition of the Munchies Men podcast. This is episode number 41, I believe. Uh, it's a it's a day of, I don't know, man. I don't know what happened today. It was a weird, weird, weird day for Sevilla fans out there. And uh, we didn't really want to talk about it too much today. So I had to find us a guest, and I'm glad that he joined us. We got Ruben on with us today. Of course, Eddie's with us as always. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing well, Chris. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Eddie. Appreciate it, man. Pleasure is ours. Good yeah. to have you. Yeah, man. Ruben's longtime Sevilla fan. Um, I've known him for a while now. We met 2016 that summer, I think, in Orlando, right? Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. That's where we met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. did uh, before the River Plate game. Yeah. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. What, what that was a, yeah, that was an interesting uh, like four hour, like five, four or five hours that whole like <laughs> experiment experience. It was. Yeah, you mentioned it on the. We are Sevilla podcast, and yeah, that was definitely a lot of fun. It was, uh, I, but you know, the one thing I had, I do remember though is there was a, wo- a whole lot more River fans than there were Sevilla fans. That's for oh, sure. Yeah, well, we were so loud, but we but we were just a lot of them in the in the in the gym whenever we were taking cover for the rain. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was awesome. That was such an awesome experience. That was um, so Sevilla only played one game, I think, in that tournament. They actually played two. They played. Uh, they played that night against Replay, and then they played later that week against uh, Universe, uh, a Colombian team, Universitario, I think. Was it? But they got. Yeah. They, they got a trophy that night. Yeah, we were there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they got a trophy. And I think everyone <laughs> won the game. Got a trophy. So it's like it was like it's like, it's like youth sports in the in America now. Everybody gets a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, they did. So they did play one other game that later that week. I because I couldn't stay for it. I know you guys can stay. The one who stayed for it was actually Ray. Ray's Ray the one that stayed, yeah. And he actually hung out with the team while they were in Orlando the rest of that time. Like he went on actually. That's how he ended up getting close with uh, Jesus Gomez. Was that kind of trip? Because I actually was the one that introduced him to Jesus. Because that's when I met Jesus for the first time. And I know you had been in contact with him, uh, just like the email and stuff like that. And that was actually the first time he had met him too, correct? Yep. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, but I mean, I just kind of like, I went to the hotel, like the game was like six, seven o'clock and I was at the team hotel, like at noon, just kind of walking around and they had just come back from training. So I got autographs from the players and stuff like that. And then actually between when they were kind of taking their little nap time and stuff. I didn't have nothing to do. I just finished eating lunch. And so like, I'm going to go just kind of the hotel bar and grab a drink. Well, this was Gomez was there and he was like, Hey man, come have a drink with me. So I had like two, three drinks with him. A buddy of his was there from Miami. It was a lawyer. They was in town They came and yeah, it was, that's kind of where I first met Jesus and kind of, and then I introduced him to Ray that night. And then of course I met up with you that night. You guys had arrived there separate, right? So yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the night that we had all had met Jesus and kind of got our access to Sevilla. <laughs> that was yeah. so cool. It was such a weird experience. We, I didn't find out about the game. I don't know when they announced it, but I personally didn't find out until like that Wednesday or Thursday of that week. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, they did it pretty quick. It's so like, weird. It was, it was less than a week, I think, that they that they had advertised it. Yeah. I don't remember how, I think, I mean, I, I you know, I, I remember how I initially found out about it. <laughs> Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was that, I mean, that was the first time that they played in the States since I had been a Sevilla fan. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm definitely going to be there. You know? Yeah. We were the same. We, I mean, we packed up the car on Friday right after work, I think. Uh, or did they play, they played Saturday, right? Saturday. No, they played Saturday. Cause I flew, I yeah. flew to Orlando Friday and then I was there all day Saturday and then I flew back Sunday. That's crazy. Yeah, we got in the car and drove like 13 hours to Orlando overnight. So it was like right after work on Friday. We were exhausted, but we got to the – we actually stayed in Daytona. Oh, I guess we did that Thursday night and Friday. Yeah, that's right. So Thursday night we went down and, and drove all the way. And then Friday we kind of spent the day in um, Daytona at the beach. You know, we got a hotel there. And got out of recovered and had some drinks and stuff there, and then ended up driving over to Orlando on Saturday for the game and met, you know, you guys and some yeah. other other uh, Brian from Monty's Men, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the U.S. Brian, yeah, yeah. Um, Eddie from Monty's Men was down there. Wasn't we met him for the first time, and then we met. Um, 
Oh, what was the guy's name that played for Sevilla that that we met? Uh, his oh, brother? his brother, uh, Colo Dijak. Yeah, Colo. That's right, Colo. Colo's brother, Charlie. Yeah. Charlie was his name. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, for you guys that don't know, Jesus Gomez is the. Um, I guess his title is kind of. He's basically like the communications head of communications, right? Head of communications, like, director. Yeah. I think probably director is his title. Um, yeah, director of communications. That's you right. always see him in the press conferences. He's um, he's always at the press conferences for any new players, games, all those press conferences. He's the guy that's there, kind of. Uh, organizing it and everything. Yeah. He'll be the one that talks to the press before. He'll be like, okay, questions first for the player, then for the manager, or means he's that guy. Yep. Super, super dude, man. Just so yeah, cool. Great dude for really sure. Really cool dude. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we watched him play uh, River Plate that night, and then so before the game, like right before the game, the players already warmed up, everything. We were all there, ready to go. And then, bam, a nice Florida rainstorm just came. Well, thunderstorm. I mean, it was lightning, everything. Um, and they shuffled us, in case people hadn't heard the story, they shuffled us into the gymnasium there. And it was just Sevilla fans and River Plate fans all in the same little building. And they were doing that high school football, basketball. basketball tournament. <laughs> and we were chanting, like the Sevilla fans were all chanting together and having a great time. And, and um, you know, they're they're playing, trying to play a basketball tournament. And the, the uh, cops, the security officers that were there were like trying to tell us to shut up and get out, right? Like, but there was nowhere to go. You had to stay in that place. Yeah. So everybody kind of chilled out and like, Silently chatted. Yeah, we, were <laughs> we were there for like two hours, I think. Almost. Yeah, yeah. It was a long delay, and it was hot in there because everybody was like, everybody's drenched, and it's just hot and like steamy. Oh, it's terrible. But uh, and there was no place to get food or anything. There was like mm. nothing there. It was horrible. This was at like the Orlando Disney yeah, Disney Wild World of Sports. Yeah, the ESPN, whatever that thing. That's actually where they had the like NBA Finals and stuff last year. That yeah. gym. That's that, that. That's where they. That's, that's where that gym. Oh wow. That is that gym? Yeah, that gym. Dude, that's that thing where it was tiny. That was, that's crazy. That's pretty cool. Anyway, we went to the game, um, and then. We got there and like Jesus had us like right behind the bench, <laughs> like right behind the Sevilla bench. There was the bench, the walkway, and then we were sitting there. And then the whole time we were just right behind there. You could walk up and talk to, I, I mean, people were like bugging uh, Rico for autographs and mm-hmm. um, I, who all else was there? Kevin Gamero was still there and um yeah, that was before that. Paul Gamero, uh, that was so. San Paoli was the coach. San Paoli, the years, yeah. We just signed uh, Tuco Correa, Mudo Vasquez. Um, who else? Uh, we actually just we were working on signing Gonzo, actually, at that time. Um, and then who else was there? The new cats, uh, like. Uh, Oh, uh, Konoplyanka was the other one. Was yeah, Konoplyanka. He actually scored in that match, if I remember correct. I think he yeah, scored. Yeah, Pablo Sarabia was new that year as well. That was He was a new yeah. signing. Pablo yep. Sarabia. He was there. Good season. That was fun. Yeah. And then Sampoli was... Yeah, that was, a, that was a great season. I mean, fourth, finished fourth in... This, uh, I don't remember how far we made it in the Champions League. I think this is the quarterfinals we lost that year to... I want to say, I don't know if it was the year that we lost to... Uh, uh, around the 16th to Leicester. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Well, last year. was yep. that, uh, Nasri, uh, a red card. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, that was that was a fun experience. And then, um, so we kind of kept in touch on Facebook from then on. We met, yeah. and prior to the game, me and... We met in the bar, I think. Me, you, and Ray all met in the yeah, bar. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that's where we had met. Yeah, that, well, I mean, we had, I mean, we had actually – see, I think by the t- whenever you guys got to the hotel, me and Ray were ju- – or I was just leaving to go to the stadium because Ray drove, went from the airport to the stadium, and I know you guys went uh, to the right. from the stadium. Yeah. So I think I was going to go meet Ray. 
before, and I was going to go receive the team at the stadium. <laughs> so ah, you guys, yeah. <laughs> we saw them leave, so, and you saw them. Yeah. Oh, nice. And I saw them get there, yeah. So, and there was a uh, lot of River Plate fans there. <laughs> there were, those, I'd say, like, yeah, there was at least probably a thousand, I would say. Yeah. Maybe. They were just staring at us, like, what are these guys doing here? <laughs> it was kind of cool. Um, yeah, so that was an awesome experience. And then last summer, well, not last summer. Two summers, Two summers ago. ago, man, geez, uh, 2019 summer, we uh, we had even more fun, I think. Me personally, oh. that that trip to Dallas was unbelievable. I mean, the access that we had to the players and the team and just how nice everybody was to us during that whole little time was unbelievable. Um, you know, hanging out at the hotel, just seeing Novice and, and De Jong and um, – Everybody, I mean, they're all there. Just- um, both, yeah, they were all there. Yeah, it was, no, it was, that was, yeah, that was definitely a unique experience for sure. I mean, I would say, like, I kind of, like, I, I had that much access, like, last time when I was in Orlando, but that was just purely because I was a, just someone in the whole, like, a fan just kind of talking to the players and stuff, getting autographs, right? That's actually where I got that jersey signed behind you, that one. Right. So that's where I was. I was just getting their autographs and stuff. And that's when I kind of struck up a conversation with Jesus the first time. And I was like, oh, that's why I'm here. I live in Texas, but I've been a huge fan. I kind of told him my story a little bit. Right. Well, then after the players uh, were taking their naps and stuff and I found him in the bar, it was just we just kind of hit it off again. Right. So I'm talking. So that's kind of how I got access in. Right. But this time kind of knew we were coming and they didn't really have a problem with it right they were like oh yeah sure we have no problem i mean and you ended up going out with the the media guys right the day that me and ludovica left you all ended up going out right yeah you guys and stuff so yeah they kind of just embraced us at that point because yeah. they knew who we were i think they i'm pretty sure that like jesus was like oh yeah these are guys that have come to you know see us before you know like so, and of course, Monchi remembered you and stuff like that for him. <laughs> that was the first time I met Monchi was, was in Dallas. Um, which uh, is, but I mean, I knew, but he obviously he knew you he, were from. He, he knew who Monchi's men was, yeah. And, and everybody was like, God, oh, the Monchi's men guy's here. And, you know, he kind of took some time out for us there. It was, I mean, just unbelievable experience. Uh, and then flying to, well, you, you didn't make Boston, right? I didn't get to do that, no, because I. Oh, uh, that sucks. Well, yeah, because I had uh, was in between job, transitioning jobs, yep. as you saw, and then of course uh, getting married later that summer, so I couldn't. I was like, ah, it's no. <laughs> a lot, man. A yeah, lot. but I mean, oh, I would have definitely loved to have been there for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It was just crazy, crazy summer. But anyway, so um, we played a match today, guys. Uh, we didn't get to really watch it. I mean, we did. We had to hunt for it. We didn't get to watch it on our normal BN Sports channels because they thought it was more important to put, you know, Real Madrid and Atletico, uh, Athletic Madrid on uh, Atletico Madrid. I'll say it right one day um, on multiple channels and not even stream the Sevilla game. So we had to go hunting for some illegal streams. We found them. Uh, they worked for, you know, the first three goals for Villarreal. And then I lost my feed. And I don't know if you guys did or not, but or or stopped watching the game. Who knows? But uh, Sevilla got trashed today. Just, they just uh, trashed us. Like, I don't know. It was bad. It was bad. What do you think? Terrible. Um, the final result ended uh, 4-0 um, to Villarreal. A hat trick by our old boy Carlos Baca. Um, never shy to celebrate against us. I mean, I don't mind it. He's he earns it. Um, but uh, that was it was disappointing. We started. It was a decent start by us. We did generate some chances. Uh, actually, looked for our center forward uh, De Jong there and uh, on a few crosses. Um, a few, a little fortunate with some of those uh, opportunities. Um, Ocampos had a cutback from Suso that he didn't really hit properly. And uh, De Jong heading it over the bar, another good connection from a corner. But um, once Villarreal got their, the first goal in uh, from a corner, I think it just it just killed our, our mojo. Like there was, I don't know where the motivation went. Um, but was that on Lopetegui to put such a strong team? Um, was the team even motivated to play this game? Because, uh, I mean, maybe it's a theme from the season because I feel like Sevilla doesn't come back when they're a goal down. Um, 
I could look up the stat for that, but I don't think we've ever come back whenever we went, uh, when we conceded first. So once Villarreal scored, you kind of knew it was downhill from there because it showed in, uh, in the performance. Yeah, it was not a very good performance. I mean, first half, we actually did pretty well. We had a ton of possession, like 66% possession, 14 shots and five on goal, I believe, in the first half. Actually, it might have finished seven on – I don't remember, whatever. But, I mean, even our passing was, like, kind of crisp. I and mean, we were at 98 or 96% passing at halftime, like, efficiency. I mean, that's good against a, a team of that quality. Pretty decent after the first goal. It wasn't like they played all that much worse. I just think that them conceding that goal and then coming out super flat in the second half was just like that. That was they come out. That was a killer. Yeah, I think they either. So many times I've seen it this season where the second half they'll either come out flat or they'll come out hitting on all cylinders, and it's just kind of a most of the time I'd say they come out hitting on all cylinders. You know, Lobotegi makes the changes. He says what he needs to says, and everything's good, but they came out super flat. They're just, like, flat-footed. It was- Immediately after, like, 48th minute, I think, Bakke yeah. gets his second. Um, kind of rounds the keeper there, similar to, like, his Dynapro Europa League final goal there. Just rounds Bono, puts it in. Uh, Kunde couldn't get a hold of it. Um, and then... Not too long later, Diego Carlos gets his second yellow of the game and sent off. And then, so we had no chance at that point. I mean, they're, Villarreal is too good of a team for us to try to hang with them and come back from two goals down with 10 men. So, um, more goals. They got one from uh, uh, Moreno, who's just having an unbelievable season for them. And then I think he's the top Spaniard in goal scoring, right? He's definitely yeah. mm-hmm. definitely got that in the bag. And then um, Baca gets his hat trick at the end off to some crazy play by Bono. I don't know what, what he was trying to do there. I, I just saw the highlight because my stream had cut out at that point. I saw the highlight on another channel, and he tried to play the ball out of the back to somebody. I don't know. What happened there, Eddie? Did you see it? Uh, well, he tried to. Um, it was a uh, Danny Raba that was that was clear. Um, so he tried to intercept him uh, on the break there. Um, the challenge wasn't really that great, so the, the ball ended up at Bacchus' feet, and it was an open goal to shoot at. And he straight into the goal uh, hat trick for him. Um, five La Liga goals this season, and three of them were scored today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome you're welcome Carlos yeah he hasn't had a particularly good season I mean he seems like he's third pecking behind uh, you know, Alcazar uh, and Alcazar yeah, Paco yeah so I mean and there's a some other cat that I was in there when they when they played you know against uh, Arsenal in the midweek I was in the guest game I forget but I mean it's kind of pretty sad when yeah. Well, I mean, I love Carlos Baca. I mean, I, I always enjoyed his play, his time at Sevilla. I mean, of course. Was, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, I don't know grudge against him. Or like even Gamedo, you know, for that instance, you know. Yeah. That kind of got sold unwillingly, you know. But, I mean, it, it, neither of them are having good seasons. And the fact that he got three of his five goals, uh, that's uh, not so. Yeah, not. but, I mean, this was the first game that his, his kids are, you know, in the stands getting to watch yeah. him. Maybe that was the motivation today. He's looked yeah. up, so his his mama up there, you know, with his three kids, and um, he put them in. in. Uh, it's fans in the stands. What do you guys think? I mean, we haven't seen that in a while. It was subdued because I don't think they were supposed to chant or cheer or or yell at the ref or anything. I think they were just supposed to be statues. But um, it's, uh, it's it's the only home, probably the only game that they're going to see this season, right? So yeah. how how are you not going to cheer? Yeah, like, come on. it's so crazy, right? Like, what's the point of them being there if they're not going to be able to cheer? I think they have to say that just to be professional. But I mean, you know what fans are going to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. if they're trying to say, "Oh, we're gonna let you in and not cheer," like, come on! I'd rather that I'm pretty those times. Be like, all right, I'd rather go watch it at the pub instead, and you know, yeah. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Definitely. Right. But I mean, good for those guys. They get to see four goals put in on you know from their home side last season or last game before their uh, last home game before their Europa League final. So a good send off for them to maybe try to take down the Giants of Man United there in the final. So. 
Uh, I, I don't have anything else for the game. There's no real positives to talk about. I just want to move on. And, and In terms of like a, a neutral standpoint, um, because fans were allowed to be at the stadium, I'm kind of happy the home team won, you know, for fans to get to, to witness that. So in that regard, I don't really mind. Um, True. Yeah. Personally, as a Sevilla fan, I'm not, I'm not happy with the uh, performance. The result doesn't really matter. Uh, I, knew, I know we had a chance to have a podium finish. We still do with the last match day, but um, I don't think that would get us into the Super Copa. That's how it's going to work out. But uh, hey, whatever. I mean, and that's a good point. Like, here it is again. Sevilla's got a chance to grab another position move up the ranks and we failed at doing that because Barcelona did lose today hmm. and um, you know that's three games in a row now that we haven't been able to yeah to grab the the, the soccer ball by the the balls to move up I don't know I want to say that but <laughs> we, we've you know failed to, to change our position and and that's something that we've got to fix next year and in a in matches that mean something we've got to do something and especially if we're challenging for trophies next year. So something we definitely got to keep in mind. We, we know what some of those issues are. Um, maybe we don't have to go in, in, in length and discuss it today, but well, we know what the issues are. Um, but the summer gives us a chance to, to look at all that and, and then to reassess and, you know, get a proper preseason ahead of the next campaign. So um, I'm not too bogged down about this. It's, it's the end of the year. It's, it's been a long season. Um, at least we, we got, we've made forward strides. So um, if anything, there's a lot of things to be optimistic about. Yeah. That's interesting. I saw some things on Twitter where people were disappointed. They didn't think that the strides were as much as they should be. And they're already like talking about Lopetegui. Like, come on, <laughs> I don't get it. But that's uh, football, that's football yeah. fans in general. Fans, right? 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 Just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I'm looking forward to a normal off season where the players can recharge, even though they're still going to be playing games for their international teams. But at least they'll get a chance to have a full off-season of recovery. And uh, let's see where we go. And there's definitely going to be some additions to this team. Hopefully we don't have many subtractions. And um, we can see what happens. Or, or subtractions that are key positions, let's put it that way. There's definitely going to be some players leaving, but – there's certain players that I think is critical for us to continue that progress next year. If we can keep those, it can happen. Obviously that would be great, but I think, obviously I think the one player that's in question would probably be Kunde. I would say he's the one that's probably the most sought after of all of our, all of our players right now in the moment. So I think it'd be hard to keep him. And like I said, I, I truly think they, I don't, know, I don't know if they've announced a provisional squad for the Euros 2021, but I think he might break into that squad. If he does, then has a good Euro, then it might be a good time to cash in on him. I don't know. I don't know. I read an article yesterday saying that, or might have been a couple of days ago, that it seems like the club is kind of dropping their stance on them meeting his $80 million um, buyout clause, that it's possible that they could be looking for something in the 60 to $65 million range, just to cash in and not have it draw out, which I don't, I think, uh, obviously I'm always of the opinion that you should go for a player's clause. Like, and you know, all the good players I never wanted to leave. I always said, why aren't you getting their clause? Like, why, like, why are you taking, you know, they have a $60 million clause. Why are you taking 40? No, don't like it's, I understand that's the model of the club and I have a feeling that's what's going to happen with Kunde as well. But I mean, it's something that that's, that's the model of the club, you know, and you would hope that the, the successes of the club would prevent that, you know, that, you know, the fact that we're making strides in the champions league and, you know, hopefully, you know, that's obviously that would be the way to keep those players is by getting to the quarterfinals, getting to the semifinals consistently. Right. And it's, that's yeah. the next step for sure. It's just, you know, it's hard to keep, to, to do that consistently when you're selling your best players. That's just how I've always felt about Sevilla. What's always held them back for sure. Without a doubt. And, you know, to your point there, if we do decide to take less, why this summer? Because we had offers last summer for Kunde. Now, were they real or not? I mean, 
who, who really knows? Uh, Monchi knows, but I mean, we don't. But, you know, it seemed like very strong rumors that Kunde was going to be, at least there was offers for him in the, in the 50, 60, maybe even $70 million range. And we said, no, um, you've got to meet his clause. At the time was, you know, 80, 90 million. Why, why would this summer be any different? I, I don't know why we would take less when his stock has done nothing but climb. So, and the pressure is on these teams to, you know, the Barcelona's, the Real Madrid's, they've got to fix their diff, you know, their defense. Why man, man uh, city's got, you know, more money than, than God to spend. Why would you give them a break? I don't, I don't know why you would do that. So let's hope they don't. And I'm with you. I, who was it we sold uh, for less? Like Rakitic, I think it was. We, we gave Barcelona a discount on yeah. Rakitic. And I'm like, why yeah, did yeah, we yeah. do that? Uh, no, for sure. And they, uh, and it was just as absurd as just like the fact that you see Barcelona play and like paying other teams the full asking price for their players and Sevilla won't take it. Um, I, like they won't like, they won't ever. Like, I'm like, why? I'm like, okay. or more Dembele situation. Like, <laughs> 50 or 55 for like Andre Gomez. You're like, what? Like, come on. Like and what, he lasted like half a season there. It's like, you know, like at, when you're selling Rakitic for 18, you're like, come on. Like, and how long did he stay there? Six years. How many champions leagues did he win there? Come on. Like they get, I guess that's just always, we've always given, Barcelona, a good deal. Always. Danny Alves. Yeah, seems like Adrian, it. Adriano, Rakitic. I mean, Langlet. Not, we just, you know. <laughs> At least that one was for the clause. That was probably the first time. Langlet's <laughs> the clause, yeah. See, like, it's kind of ridiculous. And maybe that's the new era. Maybe we're in a new era where we don't have to, to give discounts anymore. And, and let's hope. I mean... I I would be super disappointed if we don't get claws for that guy because he's so good and he's got so much potential. It would be a shame. He's like don't get twenty one or twenty two. Yeah, like oh, he's got so much potential. Yeah. Uh, so we got Alaves next week to finish off the season. That's a noon game with all the other games. There's a lot to play for in La Liga. Uh, there's only certain positions it's solidified. I think Ibar is definitely uh, out. I think they, with their loss today, they, they, they're out. Um, still some relegation positions fighting for down there. And then, I mean, there's still a chance that we can finish third if Barcelona lose next week and we win. Uh, Alaves is safe. So they're, they don't really have anything to play for next week. And the title chase is still on in La Liga. Real Madrid and, and uh, Atletico both won today. It was some drama there. It's kind of crazy, the finishes in those games. But, uh, man, did you guys see the Real Madrid goal that they scored today? Did you see the highlights of that? I did not. Oh, my God. So, it, it was a typical Real Madrid VAR situation. Uh, ball gets crossed in. Benzema's in an offside position. He makes a move to the ball. It goes behind him. He didn't touch it. It doesn't look like he touched it. It just kind of falls right to uh, Nacho, who, who you know gets it in the net. They didn't overturn it. They gave it to him. They said, no, he's not offside. It was so Real Madrid. It's unbelievable. I can believe it. No, I didn't watch it, but now I know why there's all this talk about VAR on like Facebook and stuff. Because I caught it right before I came out with you guys. I was like, you know, why are they going off on VAR now? Like, <laughs> crazy. And then you know, Atletico, you know, gets their uh, their winner from uh, from Suarez. Kind of a, I thought it was a good like goal for them to kind of solidify their title chance with Suarez getting the goal. I mean, he's had such a good season for them. Uh, a stat came out while I was watching the end of that game. Uh, the player that's gotten the most points for their club, and Nesri had the lead until today, and then Suarez tied him. Um, so they're now tied for most points for the, uh, that they've gained for their club, whatever mm-hmm. that means. But that's anyway. interesting. And we yeah. still like probably yeah. just game goals, I would say, or goals that lead to the victory, I would say that would be. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's it. Yeah. What were you saying, Eddie? No, but we we still want to we still want to transfer in the city though, right? Everybody is like, <laughs> I don't get it. Like everybody's like, ah, fifty million, yeah, we should take that if we get an offer for you. And like, 
I mean, the guy scored 20, or maybe he's going to score 20 goals for us in La Liga. But See, that could be a I case. Like, I, I mean, if someone's trying to throw 50, like a West Ham or something, is trying to throw 50, 60 million for in the series, that, I think that might be a little over his value right now. Maybe next year, if he can have the same type of season, he he would be that would be a, a legitimate transfer tar- like price tag for him. But like, yeah, I would take it this summer if someone's trying to throw it at us. That's what, you, I mean, and most people agree with you. I, I'm just worried. Like, it's such he's such an important position. Like, how do we fill the goals? Like, who's going to score them if we lose in Esri? It ain't De Jong. De Jong's not going to score them. Like, who who fills his shoes? It's got to be somebody new. So I got to spend money there. That's why you got to – I don't know. I mean, I don't know who our top transfer targets are, per se, as far as the – you know, there's – I mean, obviously it appears Munir's on the way out. He's obviously not happy. So there's another attacking option there. They let Carlos Fernandez go. I, I don't know what that was about. I really kind of thought he added value to the club. He just didn't get no shot. Being in the series, he was – Inform and De Young obviously was getting kudos from Europa League spoils from last year, which is obviously well deserved, right? So I, I just I don't know, like I don't know who they're going to target if they let him go. Obviously, that to your point, Eddie, like we have no one to kind of replace him. De Young's kind of a hit or miss kind of thing when he's in form, he's good, but um, there's no one else really there behind them. I can't think of anyone on the Cantera that's kind of tearing it up right now that would make the leap, you know. I mean, I guess if you want to put Brian in a more offensive role, but he's more of out and out winger, so yeah. I mean that that could be an option. I mean, but yeah, I mean you don't want. It to would be have to be a new. It would have to be a signing. Yeah, I mean they would have to sign somebody, and and oh, there are targets, but it it's a risk, right? Like you've got a goal scorer that that has proven that he can score goals. He's proven that he can mess some things up along the way too, and I think that's why people are so frustrated with him is. He, he's up and down like a roller coaster, but uh, when he's on, he's on. And I don't know, man. We finally have a twenty goal killer, but it's not good enough. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, yeah, and I and I and I will tell you guys exactly why it's not good enough. And this is because he didn't put it in against nowhere in the fucking Super Cup. That's the only reason it's not good enough. Had he slotted that shit home, he could. He, oh, sorry. Had he slotted that home, he probably could have had ten goals this season. And <laughs> he would be way more in the fans' favor than. Yeah, right. Without a doubt, he needed that moment. He needs a big game moment. I think you're right. Well, I'm glad that he bounced back from it because that was. I mean, that was a defining moment that I think could have really defined his season in the sense that it truly was the first game of the season, even though it kind of felt like last season. But like that that could have truly defined the season and he bounced back from it. But I think the fact that that happened will never truly let the fans like embrace him. Like, even though he did score 20 goals a season and kill it, you know, such a bad miss. <laughs> People are still mad at that though. And I think, I think that's why they're, they're still hanging that over his head. Um, unfortunately, but yeah, but at the same time, I think it's the, the chances he misses um, the mishandling of the, of the ball sometimes they feel like, okay, maybe he could have had even more goals. It could have been a 30-goal killer. But um, I, I don't know. I, in my opinion, I think it's like the Ocampo situation. What, what if he has an Ocampo season um, this time around, like Ocampo season two, and the score is uh, less than 10? Um, that's It's possible, right? Uh, who knows? But um, I'm with Ruben. 50 million, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, it's hard not to – I mean, you made a – Thirty million dollar profit there in that in that uh, transaction. Right. We spent twenty million selling for oh, fifty. Yeah, that's that's, I mean, that's that's the type of good business we need to be doing. And granted, like I said, like couldn't like you know like stuff like you know Alves and all that Rakitic. I mean, yeah, we bought them on the cheap, so selling them for eighteen twenty million. It's technically was still good business, but not as good as it could have been, considering you know you bought Rakitic for what two million, four million, sold it from eighteen when you probably could have got twenty five thirty. Yeah. Alves, Obviously, you bought him for a million. You sold him for 35, maybe five incentives, but he probably could have demanded 40 at that time, maybe 45. That's the kind of conversation I'd love to have with Monty. He's like, what went on in that negotiation that, that caused 
you'd only think, accept 19. He would never tell us, but I mean, it would. I think, it's just, I think it's just keeping good business relations. Like I, I really, I truly do. Like I, I don't know. I don't understand it. It's like I think they just want to keep having good relationships with the with the Barcelonas. With I don't know about Real Madrid. You know, I think after Ramos, they haven't transferred. I don't think any players to Real Madrid since Ramos. Now that I think about it, but how many have gotten to Barca? You know, true. So that, I mean, that's true, yeah, that's that's a true point. Like, I, I don't think they bought. It's like ever since I've been paying attention to Sevilla, which was basically Ramos' second season with Real Madrid. So I came, I started following Sevilla after the Ramos drama. So I learned of it afterwards. Yeah, but since that point, there has been no Sevilla player that's gone to Real Madrid, but at least five that have gone to Barca. Five, maybe more. Yeah. I mean, Dani Alves, Keita, Alex Vidal, you know, Langlet. Who else? Uh, uh, Adriano. Adriano. Yeah, I mean, so that's just five right off the top right there. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just, I think they're just trying to keep good relations with Barca's. Real Madrid kind of burned their bridge, it seems like. Um, but I think part of it, too, is also, like, at that point, it could have been economics. It could have just been, like, the club needs the money, right? And that's, you know, that's the model of the club has always been is, you know, buy small, sell big. Right. And it's like, or grow from the Cantera and sell big, right? Reyes, you know, Ramos, that's what they did, right? They sold their best players from the Cantera, you know? So it's like, I think that's the mentality that we got to get over is that, you know, these high transfers like that, like, you know, yeah, we could take, you know, yeah, still getting 35, 40 million for a Kunde was good business when you bought him for 20, you know? Yeah, 15 million profits good, but you could get 30. Like, why not push for it? You know, that's just, that's always been my kind of beef with the club is like yeah want to keep good relations with teams but like why though i mean yeah granted it's you're still making a killing on the signing but you can make so much more and that money could buy bigger players you know what i mean you're trying to buy, yeah. well, unless he's maybe speculation was that Monty was going to go to barcelona at one point and maybe you don't want to burn a bridge there that's a potential future employer um just saying that i don't think that was ever on his mind but uh you just gotta you have to know, touch though. on it you, you never know uh I, I i think we're in a different financial position now i mean we were one of the only clubs last year to make a profit uh in a pandemic season um second year in a row qualifying for champions league it's going to be huge money we actually progressed really far in champions league this year so that's even more money if we finish third in La Liga, we get more money. <laughs> Let's push for that. That's what. I don't. I don't think we will. Even if we do finish third, just because the TV rights in La Liga are all messed up. You know, it's like they. Well, it's based on your your finishing position now. So they say, but it's not. <laughs> well, I like. I'd like to see the numbers still when Barca finishes third, but them real them and Real Madrid still get a hundred fifty million euro cut. I and saw the breakdown. <laughs> it's really weird, and there's like an obligation clause too that you have to pay towards. I don't know. I don't understand it. It's, no, I I think the way that the TV deals written is they get the lion's share. It's just that's the way it is. I think that's the way they read it. Went wrote it whenever. If whenever it came out, I don't know. And it's been like that for years. And obviously that's just what hinders La Liga from progressing. You, know, you see, I mean, you know, I've, I've kind of always felt this way. You know, I think, you know, I think La Liga is probably the best top of the league. I'd say the top six teams are probably the best in La Liga out of all, I'd say better than England and stuff like that. But like per se, the bottom 10 teams in England are way stronger than in Spain. And it's purely just for a, they get more money. They can sign better players. They, you know, they, they get more TV money. So it's like if, if they had even distribution, it could be a little bit more competitive, like the English league, you know, it's like, you know, it, I don't know. I've always felt like La Liga has the best, the best top, but this is yeah. not competitive throughout the league just because no team, you know, the, the top, I wouldn't say the top teams, but, you know, just Barcelona and Real Madrid get the lion's share. And, you know, the fact that Atleti and, you know, Sevilla, Villarreal, you know, the teams that are up, you know, at the top, they're competing because they've always had strong squads. And it's not like they're getting extra TV money. It's just they have, they have good, good squads. They have good foundations, right? So that's kind of what makes that part of the league better, I think. Yeah. 
it's an interesting point. And, and it's an argument that probably doesn't hold water this year just because of the Champions League and Europa with uh, how many teams from England are in that in the finals. Um, but it's always like that. I mean, they were still trying to say the English teams were better when it was an all Spanish final at least. So it's, it's that fun thing. It's always an argument of which, which uh, league's better. And of course we we're biased, right? Cause we, we see it every week and we know the kind of quality that's, that's in La Liga. And, uh, but to your point, I mean, the distribution, even with the new structure of how they got money distribution, it's still based upon your your finishing position. And when you get down to that last team in the league, when you're when you're talking the, the 18th team in the league, they get like no money. Like it's very very little money of the TV rights. So like, what's the? Like, there's no way that that a small team without a great youth system and they get lucky with some, some really quality players coming out of their youth, they're, they're never going to climb to that top tier, right? Like, like our teams, like, um, like Villarreal, I mean, Villarreal is a really special case. I mean, a, a town of 55 million people or sorry, 55,000 people are now, you know, they're, they're fighting for six in the league. They're, they're in the final of the Europa. It's, it's a, they're taking down Sevilla today. Who's in the champions league, you know, four nothing. You have to have respect for those clubs, but you, you're never going to see, um, I don't know, a, a Wesca, but you're never going to see them climbing into the top four. That's just not going to happen. There's no way. Gonna see uh, like a Leicester, you know, or like any of them come in from nowhere to win the league, like Leicester did. You know? No, never. I don't. I don't, I don't see it. Eddie, it, any thoughts? Gonna come from nowhere to win the league. It's gonna be Sevilla or like Villarreal or Valencia. Not one of the top three. Not Barca, Atleti, or, or yeah. I mean, if one of those three win it, it's like okay, they get the most money. It makes sense, right? Yeah. They got players. They spend the most money, of course. You know, whereas in England, it's not necessarily that because, well, like, you know, just to your point there, I'd say the 18th place in England probably gets maybe like 20 or 30 million pound less than the top teams. So that's a lot more like evenly distributed, right? That's yeah, it's I'm, a lot more evenly distributed. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because that gap between 18th and Barcelona and Madrid is probably like 100 million euro yeah. or more, you know. Without a doubt. Um, Eddie, you got any thoughts you want to add on to that conversation? Um, not really. I had something, but it was it was not important. Um, <laughs> of course, it is. But, uh, I agree. It's, it's cyclical too, in terms of um, the leagues that are performing better. Um, but uh, to that, I think it's the Sevilla model that these other clubs will look to follow. Um, because you can't replicate the model of Barcelona and Real Madrid, obviously, and and Atletico. To be fair, we have to put them in that in that box too. Um, so Sevilla is the example that these clubs uh, are showing, and good on Villarreal to to make it to a, fi- a final finally, because um, they've been they've been at it for a couple decades now. Oh. Um, so unfortunately, um, there's teams like Valencia. That's uh, another example where. Um, you, you see a team try to, tries to take a different route and look where it ends up for them. Um, so in Sevilla, it's a good example for these other um, teams to emulate. Um, because, you know, this whole issue with uh, the TV money, I think this is going to go on for forever, to be fair. I agree with that. I do. And you're right. I mean, I, I think Sevilla does have a great business model. I mean, obviously, that's where the club's been successful since the 2000, since they got back up in like 2003, right? That's, you know, since they brought Monchion, that's kind of been the model, sell, you know, buy low, sell high, you know, kind of grow players from the squad, from the, the Contera and, and go that way. I, I agree with that. It's a great model. It's just like, you're right. It's, if we're trying to, to, to make big waves, like in the Champions League, because that's where, it, that's where it needs to happen now is Champions League. Like, you know, I, you know, obviously that would be a great, you know, to win La Liga would be great, you know, but I think, I think we have a more probably legit shot sometimes to, to make right waves in the Champions League just because like, you know, you can, you just got to get on that run of form in those types of those tournament games to, you know, that could take you far, right? And I think this year, I think we just had one bad half against Borussia Dortmund. That's it. I think had we not had that first half in the Sanchez P1, like the rest of the tie, I thought we were there or better 
right? It was just that first half that killed us, right? So it's just like that momentum, you know, we just need to, you know, it could have been, a, you know, it could have, we could have easily, you know, met up with PSG in the next round, you know, it's, that could have been us playing them, you know. I think that's where we need to grow is just trying to build there, you know. Yep. Uh, so Eddie, the women, uh, they played today or yesterday? What, what, what day was that? It was yesterday, wasn't it? You're on mute. Right. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was yesterday against, uh, Madrid CF. Um, a 1-0 loss, unfortunately. Uh, it's, it hasn't been that great of a run for, for the women. Um, from what I see, that's just, that's their seventh loss in, in the last nine games. Um, it's been a bit rocky for, for them, but, uh, still in that mid table position, it's a, it's a bit of a gap between them and, and a team above them. And to be fair, it's already, we're already satisfied with this kind of season they're having. It's just, it's a really rough patch right now. So it's just winding down the end of the season. And I mean, probably preparing for next season as well. Um, I'm not sure if Claudia Pina is going to be part of those plans. Uh, she's about to join, uh, probably rejoin this uh, mammoth of a Barcelona team who's uh, currently playing a Champions League final against Chelsea. It was it was 4-0 at halftime <laughs> from when I checked. I'm not sure what the score is now, but uh, that team is on for the trouble. And if Claudia Pina, the way she's been playing, she seems like she deserves to be on that team. Who knows if she'll even be able to get in, but um, yeah, just building towards next season. I think they're, I think the women are on the right track and it's just probably upwards, upwards from, from here. Yeah. Still four, nothing in that game. Uh, what a season, man. Taking all the, all the points in La Liga. Yeah. They haven't lost. They haven't lost this year in any competition. It's unbelievable. Um, and they've only given up, I think, five goals or something like that in La Liga. I saw that stat the other day. Sevilla did score against them, but they haven't, they haven't given up a lot of goals at all. Yeah, five goals against all year. That's crazy. Same. That is nuts. Um, so they've got uh, Granadilla Tenerife coming up next Sunday, 6 a.m. Eastern time, noon uh, Sevilla time. So... I will not be watching that one. Not that we can watch the women's game very often anyway, but uh, I will be snoozing and not watching that one. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's about all the Sevilla news. Um, let's, let's learn a little bit more about Ruben here while we got him. Uh, you know, thanks – Thanks a lot for joining us today and filling some some gaps from that terrible match earlier today. But uh, tell us how you became a Sevilla fan. I don't know, man. Uh, it's honestly it's been great talking with you guys, and I'm sorry if we kind of got off talking about stuff like that, just random, you know, stuff like that. But um, no, it's been it's great to be on here, man. I've been wanting to get on here for a while. I asked Chris, I've been telling him I want to, so I'm definitely got to be on here. Um, so actually, uh, so my Sevilla journey, uh, I uh, studied abroad actually in Seville in the uh, spring of 2007. Uh, so I was at Texas Tech University actually at that time, and um, they have a uh, study abroad program in Seville. They basically send about 50 to 75 students a semester from Spain there, and so they have their own school, their own uh, you know their own building, and all that stuff there. It's in it's it's like pretty much close to it's it's close to the uh, city center and stuff like that, um, and they. Uh, so, you know, the, with the program, you you end up staying with the host family, right? So I was placed with the host family in Nervion, you know, and, you know, in the buildup to, say, going to study abroad, like, I knew I was going to study abroad probably the summer before. Um, so I kind of was like, well, I was not a big soccer fan, football fan, but, you know, I'm, I'm a big sports fan. So I was, you know, huge American football, basketball, baseball. I, I love all the sports. I played them all in high school and stuff, but soccer was never really my jam. It was actually the first organized sport I ever played as a kid, like the very first one. But then I think once my dad put us in American football, I just kind of like, was like, what soccer, what? No, he can hit people in, in football, you know? So it was like, I really didn't pay attention to it. But then, like, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to have to go study abroad in Spain for a semester. I'm going to. So it was a 2006 World Cup. So I was like, well, let me just watch a World Cup. Just pay attention to it. Kind of, you know, because I knew I was like, okay, I'm a sports fan. 
when I'm in Spain, I'm going to go watch at least one game. Just got to check it out. Give it a chance, right? So I watched the World Cup and kind of started getting familiar with players and stuff. Obviously, I knew the rules and stuff like that. But um, So when I went to Seville, obviously, I was kind of eager to at least check out a game, right? Um, it just so happens, I go to that place with the host family in Nervion. And um, they uh, are obviously Sevilla fans. You, you know, you live in Nervion. That's where you're, that's where <laughs> you're a Sevilla fan hands down so um they uh i didn't actually you know i probably it took me about the first three weeks before i kind of got a chance to, to kind of go to a game or be exposed to a game it was, it was kind of a whole whirlwind when we first got to spain you know just being a whole new country a whole new living a whole new family being alone it was kind of crazy um but like you know i knew that they were Sevilla fans and they actually went there was a couple games that i didn't go to at the very beginning that they went to and i was like kind of oh i'd like to go to a game and i was like ah you know if if you get a chance to like yeah check it out right so um the the very i'd say the next week i'd say within the first month there was a Sevilla betis derby within the first month i was there and the bad part, the, the sad part was I didn't get a chance to go to the game. Like I wanted to try and go to the game, but we had a school function that night that we couldn't miss. So I was like, well, I can't go to the game. The plan was to go watch the game at the bar after the school function, right? But I was like, you know, so my schedule was uh, when I was studying abroad is I took class from like nine in the morning till like 12 uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursdays, it went till two, right? So I would pretty much have the whole afternoon off, right? So on that day, the game was on a, I think it was like a Wednesday, right? So I had the afternoon off and I was like, you know, it was like one o'clock, right? I was like, I'm just going to go walk around the stadium, you know, because I literally lived about probably 10 minute walk from the Ramon Sanchez Piwan, like by foot, you know? And so I was like, I'm just going to go walk around the stadium, just see what the atmosphere is like. I, I mean, it was way before game time. I didn't expect nothing. I didn't know how many people would be there. I was just like, I'm going to go check it out, right? So I walk up on the stadium, right? And I would, like, I was flabbergasted. There was probably 50 SWAT, like, SWAT police cruisers parked outside the stadium. I would say maybe 100 cops on mounted horseback. And there was probably at least another, like, 50 or 100 on foot. And there was probably two or 3,000 fans outside the stadium partying. I was like, holy shit. I was like, oh, sorry, excuse my French. Holy, like, this is awesome. I was like, this is cool. Like, it, that kind of like, so I was just like enjoying the atmosphere. You know, I was kind of hyped up by the atmosphere and stuff. And then like, there was this, I was just taking pictures and I had a old school digital camera back then, you know, one of the big old boxes and stuff. So I was just walking around taking pictures of fans. I asked some people like, hey, let me take some pictures of you guys. Let me take some pictures of you holding the flags and stuff. Of course they were drinking and like, hey, you want some shots? I'm like, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I just kind of got friendly with the fans, right? I started telling them my story like, oh, hey, I'm studying abroad here, you know, cause like, you know, studying abroad in Spain, you know, I, so, you know, a little bit more background on me. I was born and raised in New Mexico. So I kind of had a Spanish speaking background growing up to my life. So, uh, you know, I went into studying abroad with a Spanish speaking background already. So I kind of could uh, hold a conversation even only being a month into study abroad. So I could easily hold a conversation with people, tell them why I was there, I was studying. And I was, you know, picking up my Spanish a lot faster because, you know, being studying abroad, you're immersed in it. So you got to speak, you got to practice it. That's part of it, right? Um, so basically I was just like drinking with them, struck up a conversation and they're like, hey, we're going to the team hotel. I'm like, what do, what do you mean the team hotel? I'm like, oh yeah, no, we got to go see the team off, right? I was like, okay, cool. I didn't know what it was. This was the first time I had kind of been experienced to that. So I was like, so everyone, obviously, as you guys know, they meet up at the hotel uh, Lebre uh, Medio Libreros across from uh, Corte Inglés before each game. Although they uh, basically, the players take a, have a lunch there and take naps and then they depart there for the stadium, right? So this was about, I'd say, two hours before game time. And uh, the, there was another two, 3,000 fans between Corte Inglés and the stadium, like, just waiting for the team to come out. I was like, this is badass. I was like, so basically I was, like, super hyped, right? I didn't get to go to the game, but I watched the game in the bar after the school event and Sevilla won the game. So I was like, okay, I got to go to the next game, right? The next Sevilla game, I don't care who they play, I'm going to go, right? And it was basically like that first experience of Betis and the very first game that I went to was actually against uh, Real Sociedad. Um, that kind of got me hooked, right? It was just more so the passion the fans had for the team. You know, it was the first time I'd ever lived in a place that had a pro sports team of any kind, 
any kind like football, basketball, baseball, and New Mexico don't have no pro sports. Right. So it's like, you know, it was the first time I'd ever been experienced to something like that, to actually have a hometown team to kind of grasp to. Right? That's cool. I think that's, I think that's part of the reason why I, I am such a big city. So why I'm a big city fan is because that was the true first time that I was attached to a team in a city where I actually lived that, you know, that I fell apart of. Right. So that's kind of what, you know, gave me a passion for the team it was just the fans and their support for the team. And, you know, after that I was hooked and I went to every single game that I could after that, you know? So I, I think that first season, uh, that season, it was a, the spring of 2007. So it was basically the second, UEFA Cup campaign and the their I guess their fourth Copa del Rey campaign. So that was the year that they beat Hetafe in the Copa del Rey. They played Betis um, in the semifinals, and Juan de Ramos got hit in the head with a bottle of water, and they had to cancel the game and had to pause postpone the game. It was crazy, like craziness, right? It was, and and that's just kind of what bore my my born my love for Sevilla, right? And you know, I got to I think when I was there, I, I went to I watched them play. Real Sociedad was the first game I watched them play. Then they played Racing Santander. I watched them play Atletico Madrid. Watched them play Barcelona. I watched them play um, Osasuna in the uh, UEFA Cup semifinals. I also watched them play um, Shakhtar Donetsk in the quarterfinals, the home leg before the whole return leg in Donetsk where Pop scored and extra time and all that stuff. So that was like the season that I was baptized in Sevilla football in, right? So it's like I kind of came in at the like, it was the greatest period in Sevilla football history up to that point, right? So I kind of, I guess I kind of say like I, I lucked out in a way just because I didn't get to definitely to, to definitely be in part of any of that where they got relegated or any of that stuff. It's all, I've only known good things from Sevilla. That's just, it's, it's just kind of a luck of the draw thing, but like, you know, ever since then that's kind of been hooked and, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, whenever you, you, you were talking on, uh, you know, I would listen to the, the, we are Sevilla podcast that you did with uh, the guys from the Sevilla. And uh, you're talking about how, like, oh, man, I wonder what the struggle was like back in those days, like, in the 2006 and 7s, like, trying to find matches. Like, it was bad. Like, I would I would have to sometimes listen just to this radio stream from the team, like, online. Um, or I'd watch Marca Gamecast, like, literally Gamecast. <laughs> like, where you're refreshing every 30 30- Yeah, it was bad. No, or, like, and then the first time I ever started streaming it, it was on uh, Roja Directa. Which is basically the, the like notorious. Yeah, that's yeah. I still use it if I if I still can't find something. That's what I'll still. That's my like. I think it's like Roja Directa.me now, but it used to be Roja Directa.es, and so it's like that's where I used. That's where I first started watching them. Like actually, when I figured out like, oh, I can find them on TV somehow. <laughs> like, but before then, it was all radio and this ghetto gamecast. It was brutal. Yeah, those were those are hard days. Those yeah. Red X's, man. Yeah. So I mean, so many yeah, viruses. I mean, like, yeah, so I mean, Sevilla has been, you know, means a lot to me. It's, you know, it's part just the fact that, you know, I was kind of baptized in Seville during that, you know, second UEFA Cup season. Like, it was, you know, it's something I'll never forget. It's still the greatest time of my life. I'm pretty sure of it, you know, just studying abroad there. You know, I was, you know, I was 22. I mean, granted, I didn't have as much fun as I probably could have just because I was already 22, 23 at the time, whereas most of the other cats in the study abroad program were like 18 and 19, and they really just went to Spain to go drink. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like I kind of I actually went to learn Spanish, you know, or to actually kind of get better at it. But it was definitely something that I'll never forget. And obviously, awesome, man. in the Sevilla world, you know, and it's like something. You know, it's the only constant in my life since then, pretty much. <laughs> cool. Until until the uh, the changes this past summer with the wife and the, and yeah, the new true. business. Yeah, true, true. But okay. I mean that. Sevilla has been the only constant, I would say. Yeah. Since. <laughs> That's awesome. C- congratulations on the new business, too. You want to give us a little, um, let us know yeah. what you're doing there? That's uh, kind of cool. Yeah. So, uh, so just, uh, well, just a little bit of background on me, uh, just, uh, I guess, work education-wise. So I uh, geologist by trade. I got uh, my you know bachelor's degree at Texas Tech, uh, master's degree at LSU. I used to work in the oil industry. Uh, I used to work uh, you know, as a geologist for all companies, Conical Phillips, Parsi Energy. Um, so that's kind of my background in science nerd, whatever, you know, rock lover, rock lover uh, definitely. <laughs> but um, so uh, recently, uh, as Chris knows, um, 
we, uh, me and uh, my brother-in-law actually just started a coffee roasting company called Cuevas Coffee Roasters. So we're uh, it, kind of a little bit of background on that. Um, we actually, uh, my brother-in-law owns a coffee farm in Bolivia. And so we kind of built the coffee company around this coffee farm um, as just as far as, uh, you know, the whole I guess let me back up a little bit. So, you know, my, my brother-in-law's owned this coffee farm for, you know, a little over three years. And, you know, it's really great coffee from Bolivia. And, you know, at that time we were working on this year and we were always just be like, oh, it would be great if we could get your coffee into the States. Like that, would, that was like always a goal is like trying to get it into the States, right? Well, when COVID hit and we lost work, we kind of took a serious look into trying to see if we can get the Bolivian coffee to the States. So um, when we found a way to do it, then we're like, we should build a company around that. So that's kind of how Cuevas Coffee Roasters started. Um, so, you know, kind of during pandemic last year, we were just basically starting up the company, looking at different coffee samples or different coffees from different wholesalers and different farms around the world that we wanted to offer. Um, so we kind of tested a lot of coffees. We, you know, bought about all the equipment that we have for our roastery and all that stuff, just kind of building the business from, you know, so I'd say around like June until roughly November when we launched as a business. And we've been in business for about six months now. Um, so yeah, just selling coffee online. We, we, uh, small batch coffee roasters. We roast all of our coffee to order pretty much or, if you place an order, you'll either get roasted that day or the next day, or if you order on the weekend, you'll get roasted on Monday, send out fresh things. So, I mean, that's just kind of the business model that we have is just trying to get the freshest coffee possible to people. And of course, we we all the coffee selections that we have, the specialty coffee over a certain score on the Specialties Coffee Association score. So we only kind of source high-end coffees type thing. So that's kind of, yeah, that's that. And I mean, businesses has been good. I mean, yeah. Obviously, the one thing about getting into the coffee space um, is it's kind of recession-proof, pandemic-proof. Everyone drinks coffee, you know, so we're hoping that we can, you know, as long as we can, you know, roast, you know, good coffee, people like it and be consistent about it. We're hoping that we can be successful and get good coffee to the people, you know. That's awesome. And yeah, I definitely love coffee and, and I've had several batches of yours and there's nothing like getting that fresh roasted uh, smell when you open your box. Like when that, when that smell kind of hits, it's, it's the best smell in the world, but um, man, just unbelievable. It's, it's an awesome story. Uh, I'm so glad that we met down in Orlando and then, you know, we've developed a friendship over that. And then, uh, you know, sharing the passion and love with Savistas is just something that's really special. And um, just glad to have you on Machi's Men. Uh, glad to, for you to come on the podcast. And, man, just uh, hopefully we have some awesome celebrations ahead of us and we can get together next time Sevilla comes to the United States. And uh, oh. we'll, get, we'll get Eddie down there. He'll have to make that journey south. Well, Maybe they go to Canada. Time. Uh, probably not, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, next time they do come to the States, uh, I'll definitely, uh, most likely be there. That'd be awesome. Hopefully they can, I don't know. I don't know. The last trip fell through. I don't know. Like I heard it was something with like the marketing firm that was supposed to like sponsor the trip for the club or something that fell through. I don't know. I think Ray knows a little bit more about what happened. Yeah. That was a little weird. Though. It was like. They were trying to do a, a an ends. Can you imagine if that actually happened? Because that would they they came in 2019, 20 that 2019 summer, and they were trying to do a trip to Dow or to to California in October of that year. I think it was October during the international break, and I'm like. Oh my God, that would have just been even more games on these guys. Plus the travel. I, I'm glad that trip fell through because I didn't want them coming well, over. And that wasn't the only trip that fell through because they were supposed to come to Texas. Yeah. California, and they were supposed to play in Houston and Dallas. Yep. And I, in, I don't know if it was in November or in January when it was another international break, though. They were supposed to come. Yeah, to- like this is way too much travel. I mean, that's a long flight from Spain to the U.S., especially when you're going to the West Coast. I mean, that's – well, even Dallas, I mean, that's, that's yeah. you know, that's yeah. a three-hour flight for me, three to four hours. Yeah, something like that. Jeez. Uh, 
too too much for these players. No, but those guys I, a break. I honestly thought the Dallas one was going to happen because they did press for it and everything. Like whenever. Oh they yeah, they announced it. Yeah, they did, a bunch of, they did a bunch of press at the Cotton Bowl for it. They didn't really do a whole lot of press for the California thing, but I know they touched on it when they did press for the Dallas thing. So that's when they canceled those trips. I was kind of surprised. Um, but yeah. I mean. It, it, it did benefit uh, ultimately. I think you're right in the sense of like, yeah, just do that in the summer. That's too much travel for these guys, man. No, no, no need for that. I mean, we'd love to see them. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but yeah, you know, they just came to you. Like I wouldn't, I wasn't going to go to those, those games just because it was just going to be too much. I would have been the ones in Texas just because I'm here, but yeah, I of course. California for sure. Yeah. So let's see. Hopefully they come back and we can get together uh, post pandemic and uh, have a great time. So uh, anything, Eddie, before we jet off? Um, I got nothing else. Uh, just Ruben, one last question. Um, <laughs> what is, um, what is your favorite Sevilla goal or most memorable? Or one that just comes to mind. Does it have to be your favorite? Well, as I said, there's there's many. Uh, like I said, I'd have to say one of the most memorable ones. I kind of already mentioned it. I'll I'll tell you two. So the first one I would just say was that one. Uh, Paulo scoring uh, to equalize two two against Shakhtar Donetsk. I was in Madrid actually. Like I said, on an excursion with the study abroad group, um, and uh, we were huddled up in a hotel watching that game, um, and we went nuts when that happened. Right when he scored that goal, and then Shabaton scored in. Uh, extra time so to win the match you know because that was a you know that was a game that we definitely uh went didn't go into it with upper hand because uh we had uh tied the game in seville 2-2 so the only match that would have served for to go to extra time would have been the 2-2 oh there it is nice i like it um and so yeah they uh they they were definitely on the back foot there i mean they were they kind of went in at a disadvantage so it was a great game and i mean that goal just kind of you know the last minute of extra time to send the team to extra to to send a team to send the game to extra time. You know, that was just that one. And I'd say the other one probably the NBA goal. You know, I mean that's that was another one where obviously we went into the match, we won two zero in Seville, you know, but we were down three zero in Valencia. You know, it was a brutal game. We were just behind the whole game. We just we came out flat. It just it to be honest, we probably didn't deserve to win that game. No doubt, but you know it's you know and via you know that that goal was just like you know I was actually I think I had taken off the afternoon from work or said oh I got a dentist appointment I go to so I could go to the go back to my house and watch the game, um, but like yeah it was yeah th- those are probably two of the most memorable goals I would say the most memorable goal I ever seen in person was obviously um, I was at the uh, the semifinal against Osasuna so um, that was in the 2007 UEFA Europe uh, the UEFA Cup semifinals uh, the second leg was in Seville we were down 1-0 from the uh, the Ida the Osasuna match and uh, Renato scored the first goal and Luis Fabiano scored the second goal so that was probably obviously when I the most in memorable in-person goal I ever saw goals I would say and then of course it's a celebration afterwards because obviously we made it to the final that was the year it was in Eindhoven so um yeah yeah that many more though hopefully many more to come you know as I'm saying it's Sevilla's gonna be in my life for hasta la muerte (laughs) that's it yep for sure no doubt Cool, man. Well, thanks again for having, you know, joining us and uh, we'll have you on again uh, in the future and uh, vamos mi Sevilla. Yeah, no, thank you guys so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Like, I would love to be on it anytime you guys want me on. Time permitting, I can. I will I will be there anytime. I hope I can add at least a little pers- different perspective than what you guys are normally used to. Like I said, you know. I can't remember all the dates and all the all the and all that stuff, but I, there's still a lot that I got in the memory bank. So, like I said, there's plenty of plenty of good conversations to have. And like I said, talking to any Savistas is just always a pleasure, and I definitely appreciated my time out here today. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Cool. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Peace. Vamos, mi Sevilla. Vamos. Vamos, campeón.